My name is Adams, not John Adams either. He's my second cousin. My name is Samuel Adams. Some say that I was the father of the revolution. That is, I supported the revolution long before there was one. I'm not sure that I was the father of the revolution. I prefer the title given to me as the loudest of the revolution. That's who I was for sure, the one who spoke the loudest. And I'm here today to explain to you some of the things that happened that led up to the day that we are here to celebrate, Independence Day, the 4th of July. That's a day that myself and 55 others signed that great document called the Declaration of Independence. It was an amazing statement of freedom. And one of its basic statements was that all men are created equal by God. That was something that most places in the world did not believe and would not accept. Many nations in Europe had ruling classes and societies structured by titles, lords and dukes and earls born into a class and told that they were superior to the working classes and the poor. So when here in America we made it a foundation of our government that all men were created equal, it was a new concept for government. I personally am a descendant of the Pilgrim Fathers who came to America with a very definite purpose. They came here to find religious freedom. They left Europe because their ways to worship God were being made illegal by the British government and by the Anglican Church in specific. And so they risked everything and came to the Americas, struggled to make a way and just to survive the harsh realities that they faced, building a society free to worship the way they chose. And so it was... In the 1700s, people like me were born right here in America. We never lived under that old system of government in Great Britain. We didn't have lords and dukes and earls here in America. Uh, We were all just Americans working to make our way, starting businesses, engaging in commerce, making a living, benefiting from our own hard work. And when the British visitors came, the sailors and the businessmen came to America and saw how we operated, they went back to England with reports telling tattletales. (laughs) Now, I grew up in Boston. I attended Harvard University, graduated from there at 18. And my father planned for me to be a lawyer, but it just didn't interest me. So... I was apprenticed with a a successful businessman in Boston, and that didn't interest me either. (laughs) What interested me most was politics. The businessmen of England went back to England and told the old king, you can walk all over the city of Boston and never see a British flag on display. Those Americans are not patriotic Englishmen. Who support the king. And then they went one step further. And they told the king. If you ask any American. Who is your king. They will say. We have no king. Except for King Jesus. 
<laughs> that defiant answer was reported back to the King of England, King Charles II. Now, many of the colonies, like Massachusetts and Connecticut, Rhode Island, were given charters by England. That is, they had freedom to form their own governments and operate as their own organized group. But King Charles demanded that the people of Massachusetts swear their allegiance to the crown, surrender their charters, and more to the point, replace their ministers, especially the ministers who were preaching independence from England. They were to be replaced with ministers from the Church of England. In those early days, there was a famous minister in Boston. His name was Increase Mather. Very famous minister. He gathered a town meeting in Boston, and he told the people to give up your charter would be a sin. We came here to find religious freedom because of the oppressive Anglican church, and it is better for us to suffer than sin, better for us to fall into God's hands than to surrender to slavery. And he quoted from Galatians, Stand fast in the liberty wherein Christ has made us free, and be not again entangled with the yoke of slavery. After he gave his speech, the people of Boston voted unanimously to defy King Charles and not surrender their charter. Well, when King Charles heard it, he went into a rage and said, I will send Colonel Kirk known as Bloody Kirk, to America with 5,000 troops, and I will bring Massachusetts into submission. Well, the news sent fear all through the colonies. Bloody Kirk was a vicious man who operated by force. When Increase Mather got the bad news, he went into his study and he began to pray to God for help. And he prayed and prayed, and after a while, he felt a great peace as if God had heard his prayer. He found out two months later that King Charles died of a stroke, and Bloody Kirk was not coming to America. And when Increase Mather counted the days back, he discovered King Charles died of a stroke the same day he prayed for God's help. He was in awe of God and what had happened, and so were all of us. Now Charles, King Charles' successor, King James II, would send troops and another general over to Boston. One of his first orders was to replace the minister of the Old South Meeting House in Boston with an Anglican priest. King James realized that it was their religion that made the colonists defiant. And so they determined to cut off the problem at the source. The Old South Meeting House Church in Boston had been a gathering point for many of the people of Boston where many times the ministers preached about freedom. Eventually, the British would take over that old church 
remove the pews and burn them for firewood and cover the floor with straw and use that church as a stable for their horses. Understand, my friends, the British knew that American resistance came from the pulpits of American preachers, and churches all over Boston were targets of the British army. In 1760, King George III came to power in England, and his huge ego demanded that the colonies be brought under his power. So he began a series of moves to break the spirit of the colonies, especially us in Boston. We at Boston were the center of the rebellion. The British started with the Molasses Act, which said the colonies had to purchase all their molasses from England's supplier in the West Indies. Of course, molasses was their source of sugar. Then they came out with the Stamp Act, no documents, no legal documents were valid unless they were stamped with a British stamp. You couldn't ship supplies. You couldn't do anything unless you had British approval. And the British were taking control of American businesses in Boston. Then came the most infamous, called the Townsend Acts. Taxes were levied on all sorts of products. They taxed glass, they taxed paper, they taxed lead, they taxed tea. And the British were raising funds in America, taking the American money to support their worldwide adventures. And in the process, they were choking American business. I saw that Boston was being singled out as an example of what would happen to the other colonies if they resisted England's power. And I felt I should inform the other colonies of what was happening in Boston, so I started something called the Committees of Correspondence. We wrote letters to all the other colonies to inform them of all that the British were doing against Boston. It was those committee of correspondence who passed along the cry with their letters and correspondence, no king but King Jesus. And so all over the 13 colonies, they were beginning to communicate and tell what was happening in Boston. If we could unite the 13 colonies in England, we had a chance at freedom. Massachusetts couldn't defy England all by itself. But if we had the support of all 13 colonies, we might have a chance to respond to King George's arrogance. And then there came a fateful day in Boston and in all of American history. The English sent General Gates to Boston with 2,000 troops. The purpose of it was to control the folks of Boston, and me in particular. <laughs> when he first arrived, he sent a messenger to me with this message. If you will stop organizing the rebellion, I will see to it that you are well paid. At that time, I'd almost gone bankrupt. 
I wasn't a particularly good businessman. <laughs> so General Gage thought he could bribe me into silence. And I sent back the message, I'm already at peace with the king of kings, and I will never abandon my country, especially not for money. I started a group of men called the Sons of Liberty. They were a very active group who spread the word all over Boston about our revolution. So England decided to take another step. And they said, American tea companies must collect taxes on all their tea. The only tea available in Boston tax-free was from the East India Tea Company. That was a British tea company. Its ship happened to be out in Boston Harbor waiting to be unloaded. So one night, some of our boys, dressed up like Indians, went out secretly in rowboats to the East India Tea Ship. And you remember what happened. They tossed the tea overboard into Boston Harbor and came back, and no one ever knew who they were, except for me, maybe. <laughs> King George was furious and said he wanted all of them arrested and sent to England to be tried in England for treason. But General Gage never could find out who tossed the tea overboard. So King George ordered the port of Boston to be closed. Only British ships could go in and out of Boston Harbor. No food could come in. No supplies could come in. Nothing could enter Boston's harbor unless the British brought it. What he wanted to do was scare the other 12 colonies and make them see what he would do to rebels like us in Boston. That's when the committees of correspondence jumped into action. Instead of scaring the other 12 colonies, it united them. Outraged, they began to send supplies to Boston. South Carolina shipped 200 barrels of rice to a port near Boston and pledged 800 more. Connecticut sent 258 sheep to Boston. North Carolina raised 2,000 pounds a considerable amount of money. George Washington himself sent uh, the equivalent of $4,000 of his own money to Boston to help. Support poured into Boston from all over. And the colonies were united against England. So the Boston Tea Party and the committees of correspondence had worked together to bring all the colonies into uniting. And the colonies decided to organize then their own government. And so representatives were sent to be part of what we call the First Continental Congress. In Boston, General Gage, who failed to punish the Tea Party people, tried another approach. He offered amnesty to all the citizens of Boston if they would just support King George and stop stirring everybody up against Great Britain. All Bostonians would be given amnesty and forgiveness with two exceptions. John Hancock and me, Sam Adams. 
He said, those two rebel rousers must be punished for their extreme actions, leading the people of Boston in the rebellion. Like I said, I was glad to be called the loudest voice in the revolution. So as the 13 colonies united and sent representatives to be in the very first Continental Congress, 13 separate colonies sped across hundreds of miles were bound together to support freedom for all, and for the first time it was one nation. That freedom would include freedom to worship, not a national church, like the Church of England, but churches of all kinds, congregational, Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, Friends churches, all were accepted as approved. No one church could claim rule over another, and so America became one nation under God. That's what you said this morning in your pledge to the flag, one nation under God. As guaranteed in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution that would follow, my voice was heard, my country would fight to be free. All that was missing was a leader. God had one waiting, who had made his own personal promise to God, if necessary, he would take his musket to his shoulder to defend his country, and its freedom. And in Philadelphia, George Washington was elected the commander-in-chief of the Continental Army. The rest was up to God. We were united, one nation, under God. We fought for freedom. Eventually, the British Army surrendered to General Washington, and the United States of America became a new nation That's what we celebrate today as the committees of correspondence sent the message all across the colonies, we have no king but King Jesus. Pray that the truth will continue to be preached from American pulpits and that they will spread that truth and faithfully proclaim it. So happy 4th of July. May God bless you as you serve him and the freedom that you preserve in every way you can, and may God bless America. We're going to say a little prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for our country. We want it to be all that it could be, one nation under God. And so help us to do our part in this little corner of the world as we stand up and do what's right and work hard together that we might show to the world around us people who are full of faith and hope and believe that God can help us no matter what. Thank you for those men of the past who believed and prayed and took action and did what needed to be done. We ask you to bless these people because they've gathered here today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to close with one more song. The choir is going to come back up. There's a song that's not from our war, it's from another war, but it says what we really want to say, that is, his truth is marching on. So we're going to sing for you now in closing the Battle Hymn of the Republic, His Truth is Marching On.
close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we're grateful to you for the blessings from your hand. And we are grateful that we can sing about it and talk about it and know that God is real and true and faithful to those who trust in him. Bless us now as we celebrate this holiday, as we enjoy the things that we do together. We ask your blessing on all these things and these people. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One more announcement. At 4 o'clock this afternoon, there's a memorial service here for Weldon, who passed away just a few days ago. Weldon will have a service here at 4 o'clock, memorial service for Weldon Barn. Thank you very much. I'm glad that you were here. Happy 4th of July. Thank you.